Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to This American Nurse Nikki Podcast, the only podcast that keeps it real and pushes you to be the best version of you. Contact me at nursenikkitalk at gmail.com. Hey, everyone. Hope your day's going fantastic, as always. We're going to hop over to the phones in a minute, and I've got a special guest. But first, go grab that cup of coffee, pull up a chair, sit down, and let's go jump on those phones and talk. So please join me in welcoming today's guest, Stephen Shimp. He's a quasi-retired internist, professor of medicine and public safety, also the former CEO of the University of Maryland's Medical Center, and he's also the author to Longevity Decoded, The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. Welcome. Absolutely. So you certainly have some key pointers when it comes to living longer and better and preventing chronic diseases. Um, there's a couple worth mentioning that, you know, seems to plague us here in the United States, and that's the heart disease and the Alzheimer's. And do you have any tips that you could pass along to the listeners as far as any preventative measures that we could put in place? Obviously, eating healthy and exercising and things like that play a, a huge role in, in how our bodies are treated and preventing those. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, that's probably the... That's it, yeah. And then you just mentioned the first two that are the most important, which is what we eat and how we move or don't move. Right, right. And so, in your opinion, do you think that the aging can be slowed? And if so, how do we do that? Uh, yes, here's the answer. The answer is yes. Can't stop it. We're all going to get older. We're all going to die. So we know that. Right. <laughs> but we can can slow the process down. So maybe I should go back just a little bit and say that when we're young adults, probably in our 20s, certainly in our 30s, we begin to lose, and this number may surprise a lot of your listeners, but we begin to lose about 1% of the function of every organ in our body each year. Now, 1% doesn't sound like very much, and so if you're, say, 30 years old and you lose 1%, you don't even notice that, because what's 1%? But when you get to be my age, which it happens to be 77, then you've had a lot of time to lose 1% a year. And so uh, I notice when I look in the mirror that I got some wrinkles now. Of course, my hair is gray with a half of it left. Mm -hmm. But inside, my bones aren't as strong. Muscles aren't as, as big as they were. Uh, and so on. Anyway, so we're losing this 1% per year, and at some point in time, that's going to make a difference with regard to disabilities. So if I gave you just one example, um, think about, um, I, I just mentioned our bones before. Mm -hmm. So we know if, the, if our bone strength de uh, declines at 1% a year, at some point we're going to have weak bones. 
osteoporosis. Now, if our muscle strength also declines, at some point we're going to have muscles that just don't have the strength to catch us if we fall. Right. And to go even a little further, our balance mechanism, that stuff in our inner ear, those those semicircular canals, they don't work as well. So we might trip. We don't have the muscle strength to catch us. We hit the ground. What happens? We break a hip. Mm-hmm. And uh, often that's the beginning of a long process downhill. Yeah. So that's just one example. And we all know that uh, as we get older, people say, I can't remember like I used to. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, that's, it's not, that's not Alzheimer's. That's just some normal cognitive decline. Uh-huh. Um, in any event, uh, but these are all happening. Our GI tract is changing, our heart's getting weaker. Uh, all of these things are happening, and they're happening at a relatively steady rate. So, two things. One is that this, is a, this affects how long we're going to live. And the other thing, which may not seem quite so apparent, is that it affects whether or not we're going to develop various chronic diseases like heart disease, well, things you mentioned before, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's disease, and so on. So, if we could slow that process down, maybe we could live a little bit longer and we could live healthier. So that's the thing. Absolutely. So getting into the excuse me, the chronic illnesses and your autoimmune diseases and your Alzheimer's, you know, preventing, we know Alzheimer's can't really be reversed, but is there anything we can do as far as the, the Alzheimer's goes to, to kind of to help us with that is there anything you know that you can put in place that could maybe slow that down and then when you talk about your autoimmune diseases can those be reversed and how do we how can we work on that yeah so uh, i'm going to give you some quick answers okay but i will say that we could we could spend a whole one of your sessions on both of those questions so let's start with alzheimer's disease Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's doesn't have any single cause. It has multiple causes. And among those causes are various um, inflammations, often caused by an infection or some other uh, process that causes inflammation. I'll come back to that in a minute. Or it can be caused or caused in part by some derangement of biochemicals. Maybe your hormone level is low. Maybe um, uh, our, our vitamin D level is low. Maybe vitamin B12 level is low. I mean, a whole range of which ones could could be off kilter. And there also could be toxins like uh, like uh, mercury uh, toxicity, um, or something called mycotoxins, things that are produced by uh, by fungi that may be living up in our sinuses. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, so anyway, and it turns out this is really very recent information that in any one person. There isn't just one cause. There's some collection of maybe six to 12 or more, and they're all working together sort of synergistically to cause this thing we call Alzheimer's disease. Right, yeah. So what can we do about that? Uh, well, one thing I didn't mention, I said there's other causes of inflammation. One of the biggest ones is some dysfunction, I'll use that term, in our gut, in uh, the bacteria that live in our, in our gut. And... That, uh, that that dysfunction uh, causes inflammation. That inflammation spreads throughout the body and goes to the brain, to the heart, the joints, and so on. We'll come back to that same point again. 
of it, but it is producing uh, chemicals that are inflammatory. That visceral fat that none of us like. (laughs) That visceral fat, yeah. And it's producing these chemicals that are getting into the bloodstream. They're flowing all around. And again, they're going to the brain, the heart, the, 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 the joints, and so on. And so these are some of the ways that we get inflammation into our body. And so for one person, it may be uh, Alzheimer's disease. Another person, it may be a heart attack. Another person, it may be arthritis. Wow. Or some combination. Makes sense. So uh, so how can we deal with that? Well, it's the same rules. And I hate to go back to the, the title of my book, The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. But it is a combination of a good diet. I don't like the word diet. Let's just say good nutrition. Yeah. Being active. Uh doing doing some exercise every day, not sitting. Um, dealing with our stress. People are chronically stressed. And by the way, chronic stress also produces these chemicals that are inflammatory. The fourth one is sleep. Most and those two last sleep. ones there are really tough battles to, to fight. They are <laughs> tough battles, yeah. <laughs> They're very tough battles. And with sleep, I think it's sort of like a like a a rite of passage that I say I can get by on five hours of sleep. Yeah. Well, it's not true. It's just not true. Um, we all need, as adults, probably around seven and a half hours of sleep. A teenager needs more like nine hours of sleep, and a younger child needs more than that. And it's just really important. And again, without that adequate sleep, once again, we're seeing inflammation that, that develops. Um, and then the fifth one, everybody knows about is smoking. Unfortunately, not too many people smoke anymore, but still, it's like around 18% of people smoke. Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know those numbers. Well, that's, yeah. a, I guess, a good number compared to what it used to be. Yeah, but still. Oh, it, okay. it's way down. You know, yeah. it used to be everybody. Right, everybody yeah. But, you know, seems like everybody smoked. Uh-huh. And it was okay, it was socially acceptable. Now it's not, but you know who smokes? It's the younger people that smoke. True, yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, Tobacco smoke is one of the most dangerous things of all. Uh, so not smoking is really key. So we need those five things for all of our body. And our brains need two more. Uh, one is intellectual challenges. Our brain needs to be used. Just like you need to use a muscle, you need to use your brain. So it needs intellectual challenges. And, uh, and there's something about being a human. We need to interact with other people. So I'll use the term social engagement. Doesn't mean you have to go to a party every night. But it means you need to you need to interact, right. and ways to do that. But that's very very important for for us humans. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to ask that million dollar question that I'm sure a lot of people want to know: Is there a pill to prevent aging? And if not, will there be? <laughs> well. Um, I'm going to answer it no, but then I'm going to say, well, maybe. <laughs> so where's the maybe come from? Yeah, there have been various animal studies, usually in mice, sometimes in rats, that have looked at various medications to see if they could slow the aging process down. And it turns out they have found a number of them. One of them is this thing, uh, compound called resveratrol. You may remember hearing about that 10 years ago. It's in red wine. Yes. And everybody is saying, okay, so drink more red wine. Well, right. the thing is, to get enough resveratrol from red wine as they used in the mice to make them live longer, 
none of us would be talking. Oh, wow. <laughs> he would be just laying on the ground, <laughs> smiling or not. Um, but the idea is very intriguing, and there's a lot of studies underway to see if there's a way to uh, make resveratrol or a compound similar to it uh, that we could take as a pill and, uh, and have an impact on aging. And so maybe that, that's why I say maybe. Yeah. Now, there's another, there's another drug which is kind of interesting called metformin. Yes. And I will bet that a fair number of your listeners are aware of metformin. It's yes. been around for, I don't know, 50 years yes, maybe. Yes, yes. It's used for diabetes. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it was good about that drug. It has very few side effects. And it's been used for so long that, you know, it's a well-known drug. Uh, physicians understand it, know when to, you know, how to use it and so on. Uh, so there's been an interest, again, in animal studies, uh, usually mice, uh, they live longer if given a nice dose of, uh, of metformin. Wow, now, how is, interesting is, is that? Yeah, so uh, wow. there was, a, there was a, a study or a survey done in England that they had a, a large number, like something like 800,000, I don't remember the exact number, of people with diabetes in, our, in, the, in their National Registry and others who didn't have diabetes. And of those who did have diabetes, some were on metformin and some were on a different type of uh, diabetes medication called sulfonylureas. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out when they looked at the data, and, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a study that started out of randomizing people, running. they just pulled this data out, looked at it, and it turned out that those who were on the metformin lived longer than those who did not. Yes. And not only that, they lived longer than the patients who didn't have diabetes and, of course, weren't on that one. So it's intriguing. Very know, much so, say, yes. Yeah. I, I wouldn't suggest you run out to your doctor and say, can I have a, a, a prescription for metformin? <laughs> but um, there is actually going to be, in fact, it may have started now, a very organized study of about 3,000 people, uh, folks that are in good health at, between the ages of 70 and 80, and they're going to be randomized to metformin or not. One's going to be a placebo, so it's going to be the old thing of double blind. Uh -huh. And they're going, to, they're going to observe these folks for a number of years, not to see who lives the longest, but to see who develops some of the chronic diseases of aging, the ones we were talking about before. Yeah. So it'll be a few years before any kind of results come out, but it's going to, should be a solid study. That is absolutely... I have not heard about that. Of course, I've heard of the metformin. I'm a nurse and things like that and and give that medication on a daily basis. But I had no right. idea that it had these other properties in it, which is very fascinating, by the way. So, it is. It really is. Interesting. Okay. Well, you have had some great advice for myself and my listeners as well. Is there anything else that you would like to add? And then where can we... Where can myself and my listeners find find you, and then maybe uh, your books as well? Okay. Well, what I would I would say just to sort of close out, um, don't look for a pill. <laughs> it's, it's human nature. Yeah. You know, we're, it's so much easier to say, "Hey, doc, give me a pill," rather than say, "You know, I'm going to start eating well. I'm going to do some exercise. I'll get some better sleep. I'll deal with my stress, and so on." Uh, it's, it's so much easier to say, "Hey, I want a pill." But what we have to do is put the pills aside, even thinking about it aside, and just commit to the fact that, hey, I would really like to avoid some of these chronic illnesses. I would 
paying attention to what I eat, how I move, deal with my stress, deal with sleep, don't smoke, um, keep my brain active, interact with other people. So those are all the, those keys. And I would just put it this way, kind of think about a light switch. You have the power. You as your listeners, I mean, have the power, each and every one of us. You can flip that switch on or you can flip it off. If you flip it on, you'll follow the, those quick guides, guidelines I just gave. Or you can leave the switch off and uh, unfortunately you're going to develop these chronic diseases and, um, and you're not going to live as long. So the power is there. Right. Yes. I, would, I want to encourage everybody take it, flip that switch on. Awesome. So how to find out more? Uh, you, you named the book. It's called Longevity Decoded, The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. And you can go right to Amazon. You'll find it there. You can just you know, put in the, the word seven keys to healthy aging, and it'll pop right up. Okay. And you have wrote how many other books as well? Um, You've got five other books. Okay. Uh, and they can find those in the same place and in the same You can area. find those in the same place, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you today, and, and I thank you again for coming on, and maybe we'll talk again soon. Nikki, you're quite welcome, and I would be delighted to come back sometime. All right, great, thanks. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hop on over to Amazon and find Dr. Shimp's Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. Until next time, you all be safe.